And here we go. Um, it was truly a masterpiece. I don't know about all that. Ugh, absolutely the worst movie ever. Hands down, bar none, the greatest action spectacular ever. Well, uh, the other one just stuck them up. Are you asking me? I promise I'm not going to sing this time around. Welcome to Don't Be Crazy Podcast. I'm Justin Cavender. With me, as always, is Mr. Zachary Rancourt. Here we discuss and dissect what makes a film, past or present, absolutely amazing or just pure rubbish. All that we ask of each other is don't be crazy. Don't be crazy, Zach. Not me, not Hermione, you. <laughs> That's funny. I just sent a, an an emoji to Alex's sister that was it was a, it was a pig and it goes tooth with healing powers. <laughs> you sent me one and you say you do that same thing. Not me, not Hermione, you. <laughs> you. <laughs> so ridiculous. And I go, who's Cedric? Is that your boyfriend? <laughs> Your boyfriend. Oh, yeah. I used to send her that one always. That was the only one oh, I ever sent her. And then I, so I decided to mix it up. In fact, her response was, I thought it was going to be Cedric, but <laughs> it is not. Do you like that meme I sent you today for the <laughs> Harry? You fucked everything up, but it's all, oh, it yeah. was awesome. 40 points to Gryffindor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What an asshole. That's pretty much That's how every Harry Potter movie is. <laughs> yeah. They kind of ditched the points after the second movie. Yeah, that's true. I think people were dying, so they're like, "We gotta get, we gotta get rid of this point system. <laughs> we, we gotta get serious here." <laughs> so, <laughs> anyways, love that Harry uh, Potter. Yeah, the uh, the J.K. Rowling there, she's a she's a piece of work, but yeah, I don't like her very much. Harry Potter is good. Yeah, I agree. What can you do? People are terrible. So, what have you been watching? Uh, surprisingly, not that much. I watched uh, One Cut of the Dead. That was a movie that Stephen, our buddy Stephen Alva Wood, was recommending to us. And I had heard about it. Uh, I really enjoyed it. It was not anything like I expected. I don't know if I'd classify it as a horror film. I just thought it was a really well done movie. Uh, so I, I enjoyed how meta it was and just kind of how it unfolded. So that, that's on Shudder. Um, and then I watched Vampire's Kiss. Uh, that was another recommendation by Steven. Justin, this movie was awful. It was absolutely awful. I'm really, <laughs> I'm angry that I watched it, but at the same token, I'm glad I watched it because I was laughing my ass off at how absurd Nicolas Cage was. It was probably the most absurd I've seen Nicolas Cage in any role. And I couldn't quite put my finger on if he was being serious or if he was joking the entire time. But this was before he kind of went off the rocker because this was like 1989 so, you know, he hadn't even done Gone in 60 Seconds. Uh, I mean, shit, he didn't even do Raising. When was Raising Arizona? Was that 88, maybe? I don't know. Yeah, he didn't do that. I don't think he did Leaving Las Vegas, but this movie is yeah, batshit crazy. Yeah, Las Vegas mid-90s. Yeah. Leaving so Las this Vegas movie, is like 95. That makes more sense then. But um, it, it, it's absolutely insane. It's a precursor to who he is now. So it's funny looking at it now, you know, 20 plus years later, almost 30 years later, because you see who he is, but holy buckets, this movie was fucking bananas. So I, um, yeah, I don't know if I can recommend it to anybody to watch. And then uh, finally I watched, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, some people like train wreck kind of movies though. And and uh, Raising Arizona was 1987, by the way. Okay, so he did an, a really awesome job in Raising Arizona, and then he goes to this movie where it's just, oh my God, I don't even know how to describe it. My friend and I were just laughing the entire time and it was weird. It was a weird laugh. Like you're watching, I don't know, a car wreck. <laughs> I wouldn't laugh at a car well, wreck, but you know what I mean? Well, maybe that that he was following the director's direction. Like maybe he was like, hey, I need you to be crazy. So I was listening to a podcast on that and they were alluding to listening. So they said that they listened to the director's commentary and he was kind of just like, yeah, I don't really know what we're going for here. But I think that he actually did have a mindset for an idea of what he wanted to do. So I, I think you're right, but Nicholas Cage has an accent in it and it's very, very odd. It's very continental European and it, it doesn't, he's like, he's like, we're going, what are we doing? We're going here. It's I, I, I now that I'm saying it, I feel like you need to watch it just to, just so you can be like, what the fuck? <laughs> so right, right. Anyways, that one's on shutter as well. 
Um, so yeah, I watch those and then I watch Zack Snyder's Justice League, all four hours of it. And I really liked it a lot. Um, I won't talk about it too much because I was just listening to the Geek Legacy episode on it. Um, yeah, it was... I could have done without the epilogue. I could have done without some other things. Cannot stand Jared Letter's Joker. I don't think he's good in any way, shape, or form. But uh, otherwise, I really enjoyed a lot of other elements of it. So, yeah, that's what I got, man. Goodness. I know, wow. Right? Yeah. Pretty how. good. That's a pretty good <laughs> list of movies there. Yeah, I am curious now with the whole Vampire's Kiss thing, because maybe by just the, the director even saying that tells me that maybe there was no direction at all. Like uh, maybe it's like his first movie or something and didn't really know. What yeah. Doing, so. Well, and that's, and that's what I, I'm curious because movies like this, I really would like to watch maybe a making of, or it's very easy for him because it's a cult classic movie now. So it's very easy for that director to retroactively be like, Oh yeah, yeah. I was definitely going for this, you know, because I can't take the movie serious. I'm like, wait a minute. What is there an actual point to this film? And like, what's he trying to do? It's very much like American Psycho, except not done as well. So I don't know. I think Red Easton Ellis, but yeah. Yeah. Well, there you have it. Mm -hmm. I too watched Zack Snyder's Justice League and yeah, it was a long one. It was uh, a whopping four hours, (laughs) which isn't the end of the world. I mean, we figure a lot of folks binge watch things and sit on the sofa for like 18 goddamn hours watching a show. So, I mean. It's not the time per se. It's just, why does it take this long to tell this story? But uh, I don't know. I think that there's a good movie in there if it's like a three hour. I think there's a, if, if it were a three hour movie, I think it could have been cut down to be pretty remarkable. But uh, at the end of the day, I enjoyed it. I'm, I'm okay with it. Yeah. I don't, and I, I was listening the music. To... The music oh, was me too. awful. <laughs> oh, I, when the, the, the slow mo. And I, I even quoted that. Like I had a tweet ready to go as I'm watching it because I was just like good and bad of it. But the music drew me, drove me crazy. Junkie XL score was awesome. And I still think Wonder Woman's theme is like the coolest theme in all of DC. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, hers is so good. But um, everything else, like when Aquaman is walking into the water and it's playing this weird like it's not hallelujah, but, it, you know, it's a slower kind of. Right. Ugh. Could yeah, not stand it. Could not stand it. The yeah, whole uh, Barry Allen scene when he's trying to get a job as a dog walker and saves um, Ivy West or is that her name? Iris. Uh, Iris West. That scene I could have done without. I was like, why is he putting a hot dog in his shirt? This is am, am I supposed to laugh? I just was. Ugh. So anyways, but um, there was there. I agreed with you guys for a lot of what could have been cut from the film. But uh, otherwise, I, I really enjoyed it. It just was a journey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely a journey. Then I watched Any Given Sunday on Friday, then Jaws and, and Heat and the 13th Warrior on Saturday, then The Matrix oh, and Beverly wow. Hills Cop 2 on Sunday, and then Euro Trip on Monday and <laughs> Drop Dead Gorgeous today. I've been watching a lot of motion picture shows. But uh, yeah, there's there's that. And uh, real quick, it's not supposed to have any right angles on this house. <laughs> I know. <laughs> no right angles. Give yourselves a hand. It's Miller time. It's Miller time. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, I love that movie so much. Yeah. Oh. Sorry, real, real quick, what were you going to say? Oh, I wanted to give a shout out. Uh, a listener reached out to me on the Instagram there, Weezerface, and they said that uh, they enjoy the podcast and they're going through the backlog right now and really enjoying it. And I uh, just finished listening to the. Uh, they live episode and i don't remember ever listening to that episode i obviously remember recording it. i don't listen to too many of our podcasts that we record uh, unless we have a guest on them then i'm always kind of curious and uh they're actually a listener of the horror squad podcast and came over to our side or gave us a chance rather uh after steven plugged us from being on the show so we got a new listener that way yeah yeah, she reached out to me, too, and we've been having some conversations about some backlog movies that I need to check out, too. So, yeah. Oh, so thank, you you, Weezer, thank you, Weezerface. Thanks yeah. for the follow. And then, so, so I listened to the They Live episode on my way to my office yesterday, and I think I say remarkable 18 goddamn times <laughs> in that episode. <laughs> I say that a lot, too, though, so it's fine. <laughs> it made me laugh. I was like, what? That's just the word of the day. <laughs> <laughs> after, after like 10 times i'm like wait a minute i've said this word quite a bit so i apologize for the remarkable amounts of times that i said the word <laughs> remarkable. and apparently i said and remarkable. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. anyway um 
<laughs> it is March. Spring is here. And uh, wouldn't you know it, it is Women's History Month. And we are going to go ahead and continue with celebrating amazing women by doing the uh, there's the, the movie Atomic Blonde, which was a documentary shot in real time <laughs> during the fall of the Berlin Wall. And the film is directed by David Leach and... You might know him from Deadpool 2, Fast and Furious Presents, Hobbs and Shaw. And uh, he was also a co-director for John Wick. I don't know if you knew that or not, but yeah. Um, yeah, so there you go. The film was written by Kurt Johnstead, who did the screenplay. And it is based on the Press graphic novel series, The Coldest City, written by Anthony Johnston, not to be confused with Kurt Johnstead, and illustrated by Sam Hart. So there you have it. The cast of this film is uh, Charlize Theron, James McAvoy, John Goodman, Toby Jones, and the always lovely Sophia Butella. Like her a lot. And interestingly enough, we have done a movie on with Charlize Theron, with John Goodman, and Sophia Butella, and we will get to that later. But oh, yeah. just note that we have done movies with all three of these actors. As far as critical reception goes... The film is at a whopping 78% on the old tomato meter there. And uh, it's kind of kind of a mixed bag here for reviews. Donald Clark from Irish Times says, Charlize Theron works furiously to bring some small weight to a character so feathery she barely manages to remain attached to the screen. Yikes. I don't know about all that. Leo Brady from amovieguy.com says Atomic Blonde has so much kick-ass action, you will be begging for studios to start working on a sequel. It is worth noting that a sequel has been announced, but they haven't necessarily gotten very far with it. Sure, right. just an announcement. Mike Massey, we know this guy, Gone with the Twins. I don't <laughs> like that outlet, but whatever. <laughs> uh, the stunts may look convincing and heavy-hitting, but the violence is severe and mean-spirited. There's little fun to be found in the gritty way the mayhem is portrayed. Wow. And then Paul, Mag Paul McGuire Grimes says, from KSTP TV, says, not a perfect spy flick, but I'd be up for more Atomic Blonde movies. Wouldn't you know it? You, you are going to get your wish, Paul McGuire Grimes. PMGG. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> <laughs> there you have it. Oh, and one more. David Bax from Battleship uh, Pretension says, Atomic Blonde may be a throwback to the Cold War, but let's hope it's the future of action cinema. Yeah. Oh, there you go. I like yeah. that. Man. Yeah. So um, Charlize Theron had eight personal trainers to help her master her intensely physical performance. She also trained with Keanu Reeves, who was preparing for John Wick Chapter 2. How about that, huh? Uh, she was absolutely badass, badass in this, and I think she did a lot of her own stunts. Um, so that totally makes sense. Uh, Charlize Theron cracked two teeth while filming. Huh. Crazy. The key fight sequence... Oh, wait. Well, that's interesting. The key fight sequence that unfolds... I was thinking the key, like when she fights a guy with the keys. So I must have read that wrong. But anyways, the key fight sequence that unfolds in a real Berlin building lasts for almost 10 minutes in what appears to be an unbroken take when, in fact, the sequence comprises almost 40 separate shots seamlessly stitched together. Though filmed uh, chronologically from start to finish, nearly half the splices needed some degree of CGI assistance. Swish pans provided the simplest solutions for smooth cuts and door frames provided vertical seams for smoothly bridging some segments. And I kind of noticed that it was a cool effect, but I kind of noticed that they did that. Uh, Charlize Theron spent five years developing this project. So this was a, a baby of hers. So that's pretty cool. And then finally, the only song on the soundtrack that was released after 1989 when the story takes place is Fight the Power by Public Enemy. All other songs were released before that year. The movie was released in the USA. What? 10,211 days after the Berlin Wall fell, which is almost as long as the total amount of time the Berlin Wall was in existence. Wow. 10,316 days. Who would have known we would have learned some, some uh, history in this trivia? I know, right? Am I right? Am I right? We did not go over the budget or box office numbers. Do you have that? Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Do that. You skipped it. 
You were oh. you're a little beaver and wanted oh, to I'm so, give me trivia. I'm so, oh, God, I'm so sorry. You I'm ruined so sorry. it. <laughs> the whole thing is ruined. <laughs> Totaled it. <laughs> like in Groundhog's Day. <laughs> you ruined it. <laughs> uh, the budget was $30 million, Zach. And opening weekend on July 30th, 2017, it brought in $18.2 million. Grossed in the U.S. at $51.6 million, And worldwide, you're looking at a whopping $100 million. Pretty successful, then. Yeah. Okay. Oh, budget yeah. action flick. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Sure. 30 mil. I remember bad. when $100 million used to mean that you had the best movie on the planet. Mm hmm. And now that's now like, like a TV. If it's not a TV billion, show. then no one gives yeah. a shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? I it's know. It's so nuts. It is really crazy to think, but I don't know. So, um, uh, can I can I give a synopsis? Do you want? You, do you want absolutely that? can. This synopsis comes to us from the Wikipedia page. Wiki wiki, quick quick. Wiki wiki. I said that today on the couch. I thought it was so funny. I just went wiki wiki, quick quick. <laughs> so stupid. Uh, so in November 1989, just days uh, prior to the collapse of the Berlin Wall, MI6 agent James Gascone. Yeah, Gascon is shot and killed by KGB agent Yuri Bakhtin, who steals the list, a microfilm document concealed in Gascon's wrist wristwatch that contains the names of every intelligent agent intelligence agent on both sides active in Berlin. Ten days later, Lorraine Broughton, a top level MI6 spy, is brought in to be debriefed by MI6 executive Eric Gray and CIA agent Emmett Kurzweild. Kurzweld about her just finished mission to Berlin. The plot jumps between the debrief room and flashbacks to Lorraine's time in Berlin. The day after Gascon's death, Lorraine is dispatched to recover the list and is told to keep an eye out for Satchel, a double agent for the KGB who has been a problem for MI6 for years. Arriving in Berlin, she is immediately ambushed by KGB agents who deliver a message from their boss, Alexander Bremovich, but she is able to escape and meet up that <laughs> she was able to escape and meet up with her contact maverick mi6 station head david percival lorraine searches gascon's apartment and discovers a picture of him and percival in the debriefing shit discovers a picture of him and percival in the debriefing she tells gray and kersfield that percival had previously denied knowing gascon and that she suspects Percival was behind the West Berlin police ambushing her while she searched Gascon's apartment. Sorry, there's a lot of names and I keep fumbling them. When Lorraine visits that's a restaurant, right. when Lorraine visits a restaurant mentioned said, by the KGB. I say that's all right. <laughs> by the that's KGB. Not, I was taking a picture of Rizzo. She was being cute. So oh. I had to take a picture. And my, but my stupid volume was on. So uh, that's okay. That's <laughs> okay. When, Lo when Lorraine visits a restaurant mentioned by the KGB agents, she encounters Bremovich, but is saved by Delphine LaSalle, a novice French agent. Although Lorraine is initially suspicious of LaSalle, they eventually enter into a romantic relationship. Percival, having tailed Lorraine, surveys a watchmaker she visited. He spots Bacton entering the same shop. Bacton tells the watchmaker he has a watch full of secrets he will sell to the highest bidder. Kurzweld meets with Lorraine in Berlin, handing her a newspaper containing a number which, when called, infor informs her that Satchel has been compromised. Percival lures Bacton to an alley, kills him, and takes the wristwatch, from which he discovers who Satchel is. Lorraine, who does not know Percival has the list, finds out that St the Stasi officer, codenamed Spyglass, who gave the list to Glasgow, also memorized the names on it. Lorraine and Percival make plans to escort him across the border to West Berlin. Percival meets with Bremovich. No suspects... near Berlin. <laughs> <laughs> Percival meets with Bremovich, who suspects Percival has the list, but Percival only offers the second best thing, the identity and operations of Satchel, to keep the balance, also tipping him off about the plan to extricate Spyglass from East Berlin. LaSalle covertly photographs the meeting. During the extrication of Spyglass, Percival secretly shoots him when the KGB agents are unable to. Lorraine battles multiple KGB agents while rescuing the wounded Spyglass, but he drowns when their car is rammed into a river. Lorraine makes it to West Berlin and realizes Percival has planted a bug in her coat. She tells LaSalle, who calls Percival and threatens him with her knowledge of his Bremovich meeting. Percival goes to LaSalle's apartment and kills her, fleeing as Lorraine arrives moments later. Lorraine discovers the photographs taken by LaSalle and realizes Percival has read the list. Percival burns his safe house and attempts to flee, but Lorraine arrives, kills him, avenging LaSalle, and takes the list. 
In the MI6 debriefing, Lorraine finds out that Percival had told Gray he had the list and that he was very close to Satchel. She presents LaSalle's photographs and doctored audio recordings, which paint Percival as Satchel. She denies knowing the list's whereabouts, leaving MI6 no choice but to close the case. Three days later in Paris, Lorraine, now speaking in Russian, meets with Bremovich, who addresses her as Comrade Satchel. Bremovich, having learned from Percival that there is more to Satchel than he had previously known, orders his men to kill her. Lorraine kills his henchman, then, speaking with an American accent, she tells Bremovich that she always fed him bad information to manipulate the KGB. She kills Bremovich, and then she and Kurzweil, CIA, return to the United States with their list. Their friendly conversation implying that she is a triple agent and had been working for the CIA all along. <laughs> then Dwight revealed he was a double agent, <laughs> which Andy <laughs> revealed know. he was a double agent. <laughs> so that's Atomic Blonde, and that, that synopsis is very, very convoluted, but uh, the movie makes sense when you watch it. So that would be what I would say. Go watch it. <laughs> All right. So when did you first see Atomic Blonde, and did you know prior to the opening credits that the film was based on a graphic novel? So probably around, I think it came out in 2017, like you were saying. Um, <clears throat> so probably when it was on on the digital video disc or the Blu-ray. But uh, yeah, probably the fall of 2017. And I did not know it was a graphic novel. It doesn't surprise me hearing that, though. But um, I just thought it was a badass action movie. But um, I think at the end, I didn't pay attention because it does say based off of the coldest. The oh, OK. The coldest winter. What, what's it called? Coldest city or something like that. Called your mom. Whoa. And Whoa dude. It's, called, <laughs> it's called the coldest city. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I did not know that. But yeah. The more you know. Well, there you go. I know I'm smarter for it, too, every day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't read no books, even with the pages and the pictures and things. Now, are you into spy movies? Do you find them rather predictable in that there's always a double or in this case, a triple agent to be discovered? <laughs> yeah, I like spy movies a lot. I think they're fun. Uh, the whole espionage mentality is is something really cool. I, I like James Bond a lot. I can't say that I'm a giant James Bond fan, but I've seen quite a few of them. So that obviously is kind of the pinnacle for where you want to be at. But it's fun how they will mix different movies in there. So like The Man from Uncle was it was a cool love uh, that movie. Yeah, cool reiteration. And then this movie, same thing. I loved how it wasn't just a hardcore action film. It had a really cool plot too, where you're like, what? Like snip snap, snip snap. So um, <laughs> there was a lot of there was a lot of crossing lines and whatnot, but uh, yeah, I, I generally really like spy movies, too. I mean, even like I was saying, the espionage style films. So Captain America Winter Soldier is my favorite Marvel movie, uh, probably even more so than Avengers Endgame. But it's just because the story of that is so cool. Where you're like, wait, what? Who's the bad guy here? And it's, you know, typical Washington, D.C., deep throat shit, like uh, uncovering whatever news you know <laughs> so washington post all that kind of stuff but i, I yeah i really like spy movies but uh, do you yeah absolutely a uh, winter soldier is my favorite too uh aside from i mean uh, in the spider-verse doesn't count because it's not part of the no. mcu but no 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 that Sorry, would be like my the, favorite yeah. comic book movie but my favorite mcu movie is winter soldier and i do love spy movies but i like them to have gadgets this movie didn't really have any gadgets short of the the knock list being hidden inside the watch. <laughs> the knock list. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Who's Job? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Some biblical song, bitch. Yeah. Gob. I mean, Gob that, That's a good uh that's a good example too. I mean, Mission Impossible was very th this movie had a lot of those same vibes, except this movie was way better for action and style. And obviously it came out, you know, like 20-ish years after, but yeah. Right. They got it figured out by then. But I mean, each I feel like each Mission Impossible movie is better than the previous one. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's one yeah. of those weird anomalies where they just keep getting better and better and better. Uh, starting with three, particularly. That movie is mm -hmm. incredible. And then they just keep yeah. up in the ante. They're just like pure action films. They're not even really necessarily spy films at that point. It's just like, what can we do to almost kill Tom Cruise, but not kill him? <laughs> right. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a sucker for the spy movies. And and I do like James Bond. You know, I've seen them all a bunch. And uh, I do like Daniel Craig as Bond, particularly. and Which I find remarkable. 
Oh, there I go. I just said it remarkable. I, uh, <laughs> which I find interesting <laughs> because yeah, I grew up with a different Bond. Yeah, I I, mm-hmm. I was a kid during the uh, what's his name? The slasher. Timothy crisis. Dalton. Uh, Timothy, <laughs> Timothy Dalton. Dalton. <laughs> yeah, Dalton. And then I'm a <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So there's that. And so then I had like Golden Eye, which which is like. That movie blew me out of the water the first time I saw it. And so I remember thinking, wow, this is so cute. But watching it as an adult, I've since had a change of opinion. But right. um, Daniel Craig's a fucking badass, dude. He's he's so good as Bond. But uh, right. I think that uh, Shelly Theron is uh, pretty good. She's good with the spy stuff. So, now, follow up. Now, because this movie did have double agents and triple agents and and quadruple agents did you did you know or at least expect james mcavoy's character to be a bad guy yeah i did and it really kind of bugged me because from the get-go where she's where he lies to her and he's like oh i've never met spyglass you're like why are you doing that asshole and then she catches on really quick that he's lying the whole time you're kind of just like okay well this is laying it right out there that he's a piece of shit and nothing really surprised me. And so that was a bummer. I think like, again, to use the, um, the example of mission impossible, John Voigt being alive and being a bad guy was a complete shock to me. I was like, what? So I, I was hoping that they could have done something like that. It just was, it was blatantly obvious that McAvoy was a bad guy in this one. And I wasn't a, I was a huge fan. I don't understand why he didn't just say, yeah, oh, my God, I, I, you know, we were great friends. We, we hung out. We Netflix and chilled and shit. Yeah. And it, it would have been because then then she would have no reason to doubt him when she went to his house, just in case there was some sort of evidence and a photograph. Come on. What kind of? Yeah. What kind of lousy spies take pictures with each other? <laughs> yeah. And he was talking he was talking about, you know, if, if I want to follow you, you'll never know. But yet he can't even hide that like <laughs> you're yeah. not covering all his bases there dude so it seems bad at this <laughs> <laughs> did you even go to spy school <laughs> <laughs> i don't think so uh homeschool watched a couple of bond flicks thought i could figure it out but yeah he was yeah. lousy <laughs> but, oh well. now this podcast has recorded previous episodes with films that have uh, each starred either Charlize Theron, Sofia Boutella, and John Goodman. Those being, of course, Fury Road, Kingsman, and 10 Cloverfield Lane. Shot out of a cannon. What are your favorite films starring any of these three actors? Ooh, uh, Fury Road. Mad Max Fury Road is is like easily one of my favorite movies of all time. And Charlize Theron is just phenomenal in that movie. I mean, she's it's her movie, and I'll argue that with people. Uh, Sofia Boutella, I really love Kingsman. It's hard to beat that one. I know we, we did both of those. Um, movies um i really do like Charlize theron in, in other movies too um i wasn't a huge fan of her in fate in fast eight but she actually did a pretty solid job um even like eon flux wasn't a good movie but i think she pulled it off pretty well like her role uh north country was was good it was a heavy movie to watch but she did a fantastic job in that and uh hey, that thing you do she plays tina she plays uh Skeech's, uh boyfriend or girlfriend yeah. So really long time ago. And then uh, John Goodman. I mean, what what can you say about him? He's just absolutely incredible. And when I was thinking of these earlier, I completely forgot. But uh, Walter, I mean, Walter's like probably my favorite character of Walter's his. From subject, the Big yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then <clears throat> I love him in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? I think he's fantastic in that. Uh, he's really, really good in Inside Lewin Davis. He's uh, really, really good. Ten Cloverfield Lane, he's phenomenal in. And I he is so terrifying in that film but I absolutely love it. So yeah, I think those are, those are some of my more favorites. Sophia Batella, I I've only seen a few things with her. I never saw star Trek beyond, but um, I really do enjoy her. And I think she, she crushed <laughs> yeah. it in this movie too. Montgomery Scotty. Oh, and then we also did raise in Arizona. I, I forgot that we did that. And, and John Goodman. Yeah. Too. Yeah. He was, yeah, he was way younger in that one, but uh, yeah, John Goodman's just one of those actors that man, he, uh, yeah. Like recently I saw him in Kong skull Island too. And I thought he was awesome in that. So it's just kind of, He's the, he's a guy, dude. He's the guy. He's pretty funny. Yeah. I like him. It's a good it's a good movie. You should go see him. 
I mean, you really should. He's he's incredible. It's like everything he's in. He, I mean, the Coen brothers absolutely adore him and they put him in pretty much everything that they do. And it's always like these bit parts. But, you know, it's 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 really hard to beat Walter from the Big Lebowski. He's just <laughs> I, I mean, Mark, we quote, and you're yeah. entering a world of pain. <laughs> Shama Shabbos. <laughs> and I don't fucking roll on Shabbos. <laughs> Shama Shabbos. <laughs> Eight year olds, dude. Eight year olds, dude. So funny. <laughs> That's not the proper nomenclature. <laughs> Dude. Yeah, he's like, please. Asian American. Yeah, don't call oh, him China. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes, oh, this, God. Guy isn't a, this isn't the guy who built the railroads here. <laughs> this is a guy. What the fuck are you talking about? Oh, my God. I'm having my coffee. I'm not leaving. I'm having my coffee. <laughs> yeah, I'm staying. Oh, I, I say that all the time. I'm like, fucking amateurs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they're amateurs. Uh, you want a toe? I can get you a toe by two o'clock this afternoon. <laughs> yeah, with nail polish. With nail polish. My there you gosh. go. But yeah, those are my favorites. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, I, I agree. I concur. Those are all good films. You should go see them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh man, no. Shadow Saron's been in a, a lot of stuff, man. First time I ever saw her was in a movie called Two Days in the Valley, mm. and it was a long time ago. I saw my dad. It's like 1990. I want to say, now that I think about it, I want to say it was sometime on or around September of like 1996. Like maybe September 20 something, 26. I don't know. I have to look it up. I'm going to look it up right now. It's been a while, two days in the valley. And um, she was so gorgeous. I was in love with her as a teenage yeah, se- Justin. Se- September 27th, 1996. Oh, I was close. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus yeah, Christ. <laughs> that was a good one. That was actually a good year. There was a lot of crazy stuff going up around in ninety six? Yeah. Yeah. Let's I mean it's all I mean nineties movies. But whatever. Well, yeah, I mean well, I would imagine a movie that came out in ninety six was a nineties movie. Romeo no, and I, Juliet. I, just mean, <laughs> I mean there's like just that that era of films. Oh, yeah. No, I, I got what you're saying. Romeo and Juliet, a time to kill, swingers, Hamlet. Uh, that's the Kenneth Branagh one. Mars Attacks, The Edge, um, Twister, fucking love Twister, Happy Gilmore. <laughs> Gotta let it go, Joe. <laughs> You've never seen it skip this house and that house and come for you. Uh, from Dusk Till Dawn, Multiplicity. <laughs> well, that gets you, that gets you a present. <laughs> is that a chain thaw? <laughs> yeah. yeah, not nice. Uh, this is a fun year. Yeah, Fear. That was a good movie. Oh, yeah. Kingpin. I think we were quoting Kingpin the other day, or you oh, were. Oh man! Least. So I saw that movie in July. I saw that like mm-hmm. speaking of twenty six, probably around July twenty sixth of nineteen ninety six. Yeah, <laughs> might have been July twenty fourth. I don't know, but it was around that time. Yeah, so it was like, hey, hello, not you. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I love it. Yeah, and one of my favorite movies of all time, Fargo, came out in ninety six. Yeah. And then one of your favorite movies of all time, Biodome, came out. Yeah, right. I hate that movie. <laughs> that movie oh, sucks. but actually, but in reality, one of your favorite movies, The Cable Guy, came out in '96. Yeah, and The Nutty Professor. Holy shit! What a year for That's movies. What I'm telling you, man. '96 was where it's at. And that thing you do, and Executive Decision, where where Steven Seagal <laughs> dies in like the first 15 yeah. minutes. Yeah, he doesn't have a parachute. Oh boy! And uh, Mission Impossible, the first one. Holy buckets! Ninety six was a year. Wow! I think what was the Rock even? Movies. Was the Rock ninety six as well? I think that was ninety five. Oh, it's, yeah. not, it's not on this list, but Tim oh, Cup yeah, was, was ninety six too. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah, and Independence Day. That's a good one. But. Yeah. See, done. Told you. Holy shit! That was a good year. Wow. I said, to be alive. I said 96 was a good year. <laughs> I, I done said that. <laughs> I done shot that horse. For all you uh, Back to the Future 3 fans out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So there you go. Um, good stuff. I don't even remember the question anymore. But yeah, yes, I enjoy all those movies <laughs> as well. <laughs> uh, anyway, let's talk about that fight scene in the stairwell. Now, have you ever seen anything like that before? You know, Where does this fight rank? in you know your top fight scenes of all time yeah uh i mean i've definitely seen that before but i think at that time i was like "Ooh, i really like this scene a lot and it is it is very very raw and visceral when she shoots that guy and he just keeps coming after her i'm like how much more does this fucking guy have 
and she beats the shit out of them. It is uh, very, very impressive. And even the dude with the blonde hair who I don't know if you noticed, but he's in Barry. He's the the karate champion in Barry when they have right. that amazing fight scene. And I saw shades of this in that where he just keeps on coming after she's like stabbed him a bunch. I'm like, what the fuck? So and he was also a bouncer in John Wick. They had that uh, awesome fight scene in the in John Wick one, the club. But yeah, um, I was very blown away by this. I thought it was it was really, really cool. It's probably in my top 10 fight scenes, though, of all time. I've never really sat down and and penned it out. But ones that come to mind are uh, the raid. Uh, pretty much anything in the raid, like the final battle with the two brothers and the long haired guy was incredible. And then the kitchen fight scene, which is pretty similar to that, was incredible in the second one. Uh, John Wick Parabellum, the glass room fighting scene, which actually has yeah, one, of, cool. one of those guys from the raid or two of those guys from the raid. Uh, I'm talking about the raid redemption FYI, from anybody who doesn't know that. But yeah, that John Wick Parabellum fight scene was phenomenal. The um, TV show Daredevil with Charlie. Uh, what's his name? Not Booker. Day. Charlie something. Charlie, Charlie Day. Day. Yeah, there I'm you go. The Daredevil. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> He's like, give me your finest jelly beans, please. Uh, yeah, he um, where he fights. It's like a one take and he fights these bad guys in a hallway. That was really cool. Something about hallways is just so fun. And then uh, in Creed, Charlie Cox with, is his name. Charlie right? Cox. There you go. In Creed, when he fights Leo in that boxing match, Ooh, that was the absolutely one. incredible. Yeah. Oh, my God. I just remember how absolutely captivated I was. It was remarkable when I was watching on TV. Yeah. The Captain America Winter Soldier elevator fight scene. That was, you That's know, when he's one. like, before we get started, does anyone want to get off? I'm just like, <gasps> oh, my God. <laughs> so, yeah. Really, Thumi. really. Yeah, there you yeah. go. The um, the movie Old Boy, there is a hallway fight scene in Old Boy where he beats the shit out of these these bad guys with a hammer, and it is phenomenal. I think that might be one of the coolest action scenes, coolest fight scenes, I should say, like ever. And then finally, uh, we were speaking about it earlier, but the fight scene in They Live, the um, alleyway fight scene, where it's just you feel every one of those punches, and I mean, they're beating the shit out of each other. And he's like, you're going you're gonna to yell at me in my own house? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Baseball. Is it the beans me? or the Frank? Oh my god, he's so funny. Yeah. He's David. So, that guy oh my is a god. legend. Oh my god, yeah. But him and him and Roddy Piper, their fight scene and they live is is iconic. That is a it just never stops. And you're like, holy shit, someone just tap out, please, because you guys are beating the piss out of each other. But I think those are some some of my favorites. So, yeah, I, I would definitely add this to the list because she just absolutely beats the the poop out of these people. And she doesn't really even use a gun until I mean, she uses one to start. And then I mean, she mostly just uses her hands and then anything around her. So I think right. that was that was really, really interesting. Resourceful, that one. Yeah, she's a Swiss army knife. She's the Jill of all trades. See, it's like when when Jason Bourne beat the shit of that guy with a book. So I was thinking about that one, too, and I don't think that that one captivated me as much. Um, I really liked the Bourne movies, but I don't know if that captivated me as much. Uh, I don't know. I'm sure I'm sure that the fight scenes were, were pretty good. But I mean, even shit, even Daniel Craig fight scenes, I think, were better in some of like the like Casino Royale. I think his fight scenes were better. But right. Ah. So I was just saying that he. I wasn't saying that that was an amazing fight. I'm just saying that oh. he used a book. He used the tools that were around him. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> to with to a, kick with, ass. Yeah. With a fucking pencil. <laughs> he killed him with a pencil. But yeah, it's yeah. I, I feel I feel like John Wick definitely takes the cake on a lot of these, though, too. And you can see it makes sense that Chad Stileski and uh, who's the director for this one? Um, what's his name? Uh, David Leach. Uh, Leach? 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 They, uh, Leach. Definitely, you can see the John Wick stuff roll over on this where it's it's just badass practical effect fighting. And I think that's that's super neat. And I'm such a sucker for any movie like that. I think uh, Eastern Promises has a pretty gnarly fight scene. Yeah, too. dude. The, oh my bathhouse. <laughs> yeah, lots of wainer in that one. But yeah, yeah, I'll take it. Oh god, 
it's uh it's so brutal i fuck ugh, i hate it i hate all the like the knives when they get stabbed and anything like that but it is very very brutal yeah that's a really good fight scene too yeah it's hard to watch <laughs> i know right <laughs> it's like uh, uh... And I'd say the entire the entire tournament, the All Valley Under Eighteen Karate <laughs> Tournament in the Karate Kids, probably pretty good. Got the music uh, playing. You're the best. Around. Got a very a very jittery <laughs> Daniel son. His uh, his hand is uh, moving pretty quick. It's all the it's all the cocaine he was on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. 80s, they did a lot of cocaine, so I wouldn't be surprised if uh, all that the, the white gi that he's wearing is made up of cocaine. <laughs> Except you used an illegal kick. What the hell, dude? You can't do oh, that. Yeah. The referee even said no kicks to the face. So. I think the referee was just tired of being there all day. <laughs> it's like, I just gotta get the fuck out of here. I'm tired of, tired of watching these kids beat the got, shit out of each other. I got dinner in the oven. I gotta get home. <laughs> gotta feed the, the goldfish. Yeah. Oh, you man. know what I mean? You're acting like you had a goldfish and it died. <laughs> oh, her whispering eye. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, my goodness. Now, as an 80s child and a super fan of the music within that decade, I can honestly say that Atomic Blonde's soundtrack speaks volumes to me. In in fact, you know, a major factor of my enjoyment was actually just the soundtrack alone. And uh, I loved every little beat that went through the throughout the film. Now, uh, regardless, like it was one of those things where it was just so happy and upbeat, regardless of like the bleak tone of the film. And did the soundtrack resonate with you at all, or were you just not really into it? Oh, I absolutely love the soundtrack. And it's funny because I was thinking of you while we were watching it because I know that you love 80s film or 80s music, uh, you know, Depeche Mode and all that kind of stuff. Which um, is in there, by the way. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, in in the trailer, there was a, a remix. So it was, um, what's that personal Jesus song they sing? That yeah, one was, some, some they mix like... <gasps> excuse me it was a different song but they used those lyrics and i was like this is cool because the trailer the trailer just looked awesome but i think that 80s music is really important in this film where um sometimes it could be overused in in other movies like an adam sandler movie where uh oh shit i also watched joe dirt uh today which i love but that's a good example because that's a happy madison movie and i swear there's like a song every five minutes in that movie yeah, eight seconds of a song. <laughs> yeah, and 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 they're just yeah. kind of in there to be in there. But this movie uses a lot of the '80s songs to uh, fit the the story because in the backdrop and what kind of drives the plot is you know the the separation of East and West Berlin, and then the it climaxes at the falling of the Berlin Wall. So putting out these these awesome songs. Uh, and even some in German too was was very important to get you in the, in the mindset of of the setting and the time. And I think it was so well done. It was probably one of my favorite parts of this movie uh, because the songs also matched all the amazing stuff that she was wearing that people were wearing. I mean, she's absolutely beautiful. Charlize Theron is one of the most beautiful people in the world, and her outfits that she were wearing were fucking badass. And she was kicking ass while this cool like blue monday song was playing in the background that that's a recipe for a really fun film and uh, that's just pretty much what it did for me so i think they're very paramount to the movie right yeah and a lot of the bands that were playing were uh english rock bands mm-hmm. from the was, it, was there any clash in there at all yeah they had uh london calling Yep, it? that's right. I remember that. What's Blood that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the 99 Luftballons. <laughs> yeah. What's the one, the Blue Monday? It's... Yeah, so, I mean, that is called Blue Monday. There we go, yeah. But it's New... Not New World Order, it's... Yeah, it's New Order. Okay, New Order. So that song is like the quintessential 80s song to me because that was also on the, you know, the Wonder Woman 84 soundtrack the trailer and everything but that song it's in the wedding singer i mean every 80s film i feel like that has to be on the soundtrack so oh yeah totally and the interesting thing about um uh new order is that they were originally part of the joy division Mm -hmm. and uh, i don't know if you knew that but 
I, I, uh, I think I did because I think we talked about this before. Oh, okay, yeah, crazy. Yeah, I know, right? That's pretty awesome. Yeah, but. they had the uh, Joy Division did the Love Will Tear Us Apart <laughs> again. <laughs> Sounds like Count Dracula <laughs> fucking made a rock band. But uh, yeah, Ian Curtis he killed himself, and then the band got along so well that they just went ahead and made a new band. Which yeah, it's. I mean, yeah, the soundtrack is 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 fantastic, and even if you didn't really like the movie, I, I find it very hard to not be just super happy with the soundtrack. I mean, you could put it on and be like, oh my God, I love the song. And (laughs) just, it fits the style. Like, I feel like I'm doing coke in the bathroom at an 80s club in East Germany or something. (laughs) Uh, Right. (laughs) And there's nothing wrong with that. No. You even had Major Tom. That's a fun one too. Yeah, that was was interesting. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, Cat People, uh, David Bowie. Oh, uh, yep. Mm-hmm. Putting out fire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> gasoline. Yeah. That's uh, good shit. It was very good shit. I will take it any day of the week, man. Hell any yeah. Day. All day, kid. All day. Now, Charlize Theron has proven time and again that she is an absolute superstar. There's nothing this woman can't do. Do you 100% buy into her in this role, or would you rather have seen someone else take a crack at it? No, this is her movie. I don't see anybody else playing um, Lorraine. I think that Charlize nailed it. She was, like I just said, she's she's gorgeous. Uh, her outfits were phenomenal. She is just badass. When they show her like in the bathtub, just all bruised and cut up, I'm like, oh my God. And yeah, uh, taking the she, ice bath. <laughs> holy, holy shit, man. She, yeah, she absolutely crushes it for, for the stunts, the fights and just the acting. So I, I think this is her role. I, I literally can't think of anybody else who would have done it as good as her. So yeah, absolutely. And her character doesn't say a whole lot. You know, she's a very quiet and reserved person. Right. She's and, like calculated though. Almost. Yeah. It's kind of weird. Uh, I mean, it's not a bad thing. I'm just saying it's it's interesting when you have someone that that is a good actor that so much of this movie is nonverbals. So right, it's like Tom Hardy. I think Tom Hardy's a really good actor, and he does a lot of nonverbal stuff. Or he goes, yeah, he is a he's a character. <laughs> he is a character. He's been a pilot. He's been a terrorist. <laughs> I'm a flyer. I'm a driver. I'm... He's been a Venom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He was a Bronson once. No, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. He's a boxer. <laughs> he talks a lot in that movie, though. Yeah, he does. He's monologuing. All right. Now, is there such a thing as too much of a good thing or even like celebrity fatigue? Like when you keep seeing the same celebrities and sometimes three movies a year, you know, are you at that point with Charlize Theron or would you like to continue seeing her in action movies? Uh, I mean, just yeah. like a quick rundown, like the last couple of years, you've had Mad Max Fury Road, The Huntsman, A Winter's War, which was a, a sequel slash prequel. And then you had Atomic Blonde, of course. And then uh, you mentioned Fate and the Furious. And she's actually going to be in, in, in F9, Fast Furious 9. And Benign. of course, the, yeah, <laughs> F9, the keystroke and <laughs> uh, the old guard. Yeah. So, I mean, she's been busy with the action spectaculars. Yeah. Um, so I, I do believe in celebrity fatigue. I, I think that she's done a really good job of mm, of spacing it out. And maybe it's just because I really enjoy her a lot. But I think I've seen celebrity for fatigue more recently in like actors like Pedro Pascal and Oscar Isaac and Chris Pratt. And those are I mean, there's nothing wrong with those actors, but I swear to God, I feel like roles just kept going to just them for for a while um and so i got a little tired of it uh especially big roles were superhero movies and whatnot you're like oh this is going to this person you're like wait what why they were already a person uh you know a a villain in the dceu and now they're going to play in the marvel universe can't you pick another actor actress so i don't know i you, you could say you could argue against charlie theron too but I, I enjoy her movies a lot and um, I think she has a good amount because in like Fate and and Fanine, she's a bad guy, but she's not she's not in it as much. You know, it's still the Vin Diesel and the family and Vin Diesel's actually like the quote unquote bad guy 
or the 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 honey dicked bad guy in um fate so i don't know i'm um i'm not tired of her i'm i, I don't think i'm gonna be fatigued of her in a while because she has done other movies in between there too like Tully and young adult which i didn't see but i've heard they're pretty good performances and then atomic or um not atomic blonde uh bombshell which is on hulu which oh, i actually really oh, yeah see. Yeah, yeah, I really want to watch that one. I, I didn't, I get, <laughs> didn't get an opportunity to. No, I um, I like, I like the Margot Robbie and then the Nicole Kidman there. So I know I just don't like who they're playing, so I don't want to watch it. Yeah, I know, but I am interested on on how true it is. So we'll see. But the movie, um, that's I true. I know it's got to be real. <laughs> this movie was real. It took place. John it Goodman really does work real for the time. CIA. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, just like Highlander, shot in real time. Yeah. <laughs> What's the song so, that, that Queen sings in that? Living on the edge. No, that's Aerosmith. That's like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that like, started the videos got the Eddie Furlong. Uh, the Highlander. The, oh, yeah. What's the Queen song that they sing for Highlander? Princes of the Universe. Yeah. Yeah. Princes and of the Universe. <laughs> 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 yeah, I know. they actually did the whole soundtrack, dude. You got to check it out. It's a oh, kind of magic. Is the name God. of the album. It's not even. It's not even labeled as the Highlander soundtrack. It is literally uh, Queen's. It's a kind of magic album. Cool. It's like Kendrick Lamar when he did the Black Panther soundtrack. Yeah, just like Sweet. that. Yeah, <laughs> check it out. <laughs> I have it on compact disc somewhere. Bought it at a warehouse music what, place. Why doesn't that surprise me at all? <laughs> I know. I gotta find it. It's buried somewhere in a box, but I got it somewhere. <laughs> I find so many treasures just in boxes. It's crazy. I don't even have a lot of. I mean, I have a lot of stuff, but it's just like it's garage boxes, you know. And and yeah. it's not that even that my garage is gross. I mean, a car fits in there, you know. It's just a couple of things that I, a few boxes and tubs that I've hung on to for like twenty five years that I just can't get rid of. And every once in a while, I'll go out there and just open one up and be like. Holy shit, I didn't even realize I still had this. I'll be, I'll be excited. My snow globe collection. <laughs> yeah, hidden treasures. I got this spoon in Paris, France, and it's amazing. Check this shit out. It's got a certificate of authenticity. It's made of helium, so it's light. <laughs> Very light. Oh, no. So this movie takes place in two timelines, and Lorraine is giving her statement to MI6 and the CIA, and we see the events play out. Are you okay with this type of storytelling, or would you prefer a more linear approach? As it stands with the two timelines, we know she makes it out of East Berlin. And that that in itself is an in-your-face spoiler, so the fear or, or danger doesn't really exist. We know she's going to be okay. No, I, I was cool with it, because I, I was feeling like a usual, usual suspects vibe, where you knew it wasn't just a storytelling thing, like something was going to happen, so I was still intrigued by it because they 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 did it pretty well. Um, one thing that was really captivating in this film Who too, they? Was, uh, the the filmmakers. I know, I'm just kidding. No, oh. so uh, the way that the lighting was used was really really neat. I loved all the neon lights and how everything was was shot and lit. But uh, I know that necessarily doesn't have to do with with the story. But I mean. I enjoyed it. And then they used some different conventions, which were kind of neat. So uh, there were some twists along the way, which were which were great. And whenever you have a narrator like this, it's interesting because when when they're explaining stuff in their deposition and then it shows us like what actually happens, I'm not sure what they're actually telling and what they're kind of divulging per se so um i think that's always an interesting thing to watch but um no i I absolutely i absolutely liked it i mean look at usual suspects that kaiser soze ending was was phenomenal and it was the same kind of you know flip-flop twist like this but all right back when i used to pick fresh beans in guatemala yeah (laughs) yeah i remember my first usual suspects experience were you blown away? Were you shocked? I was shocked. <laughs> yeah, I was like, that guy's a liar. He's walking without a limp. His hand's not even hurt. He a cigarette and got in a car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's going to go deliver papers now. That's crazy. Some papes. It's a fine life yeah. when you're working for the banner. <laughs> it's not a kid on a bike. It's a man in a car. <laughs> 
It's so stupid. Oh, jeez. Oh, I remember that revelation, too. Did I ever tell mm-hmm. you about that? Where a guy, a paper mm-hmm. man. Ugh. That, that ruined everything. I always thought it was some teenager delivering papers on a bike. <laughs> like some the video game? Dri- Paperboy? Yeah. And some <laughs> asshole drives up in a car and parks right in front of the house and just drops the paper off. He's like, here's your paper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, the fuck? Can't be doing that. Get on your bike, lazy bones. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. In the uh, in the spirit of spy movies, would you ever want to see 007 played by a woman? Oh, dude, absolutely. But, I mean, like, I love spy movies. I love James Bond, and I think it would be great. I think it would be be cool to, sh- uh, to shift the paradigm a bit. Um, I mean, I've thought about this, and I think we've kind of discussed this too, uh, maybe on podcasts or just in, in person, but Charlie's there. Yeah, but we can't assume that everybody has... True. Listen to that episode. True. You mean not everyone is a, a super fan like myself? <laughs> yeah, I don't listen to every episode. I don't even remember what I say on the show. Well, I listen to every episode because I want to make sure I'm not saying things like remarkable many times. So that's <laughs> 18 what, times. <laughs> yeah. So I, I listen because of that. But uh, Charlize Theron, I think she'd be a natural choice to play 007. Cynthia Erivo, she is just so great and I absolutely love her. I think she'd be a really good choice. Emily Blunt would be phenomenal. Uh, Naomi Harris, who actually played Money Penny in James Bond, or in uh, what Skyfall and Quantum Solace and the other ones, she would be excellent. And I think it would be a natural fun progression for her to kind of become the new 007. Lupita Nyong'o, uh, and she really kind of proved her chops. I mean, she's a fantastic actor, but she proved her chops in Us, where she was this tough badass, like, holy shit, kind of woman. So I think she'd be a really fun 007. And then actually in No Time to Die, Lashana Lynch plays, uh, I think, the new 007 or something. I I don't really know because that movie was supposed to come out like five years ago and it's still delayed. But I really liked her and she played uh, Maria Rambo in Captain Marvel and such. But um, she's she's I think just based off the fact that they cast her for that I'm going to go ahead and put my faith in the filmmakers and say that'd be cool if she kind of took the mantle I'd be all for it so yeah but those are my uh those are my picks I I, I would I would uh, be a hundred percent on board for a female James Bond do you have any other like possible leads some Hayek no, I, don't, I don't think so <laughs> just yeah <kidding. laughs> I'm just kidding yeah, she's great. I like some no. Hayek she's great but I think they're um I think you have to be British. I think they have like Harry Potter rules where you have to be like European. <laughs> 40 points for Gryffindor. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think they're kind of biased. What? So. Uh, well, I mean, does James Bond need to be like, does does the girl who plays him need to be a tough, a tough chick? Or does she, I mean, because like Pierce Brosnan wasn't a tough guy. No, Is I don't Daniel, think so. Yeah. Did Daniel think, Craig set the bar higher now? I, I don't I don't necessarily think so. I, I don't because when it comes to spy shit, like you just got to be. Uh, I mean, like Charlize Theron isn't like an ogre or anything like that. You no, know, she's a very no, tall no. woman and she's muscular and that's plenty. But I think like so you mentioned Emily Blunt and, mm-hmm. you know, she's she's tiny. She's Mary Poppins for crying out loud. But I could see her after watching uh, Edge of Tomorrow. I th- feel like she could do anything. She carried a helicopter blade as a sword for crying out loud. So, I yeah. mean, she yeah. could beat the shit out of anybody. Dude, and, and okay uh, Sicario that. even. Yeah, except she got beat up a lot in that movie. <laughs> yeah, but she still was pretty she was pretty tough, though. You could tell. Oh, yeah, super tough. Yeah. She's great. She took down uh, Rick's baby daddy. <laughs> kind of. but uh, Rick Grimes' baby daddy. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Johnny Shane. B. Yeah, she, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Punisher, there you go. Johnny Bernthal, yeah. and um, yeah, I think she's a total badass. But yeah, I mean, you mentioned a lot of really remarkable women, and I think they could all do a really good job. And I'm, I'm a fan of female killers. I love it when they're just able to to be like Zoolander and just get into the clubs <laughs> and walk the walk the walk and talk the talk and and just murder people. I believe murder, it. Murder, you say? Murder, you say? I mean, even like like Famke Jensen in GoldenEye. Ooh, yeah. I mean, she was a psycho in that movie. And Zenya. She killed people all day long. <laughs> and I believed them. it. I was like, yeah. yeah, I was like, holy shit. 
She's uh, one of one of tough tough broads. She's and gonna, um, she's gonna squat like five hundred pounds. Yeah, that's triple digits, baby. Triple digits. I could do. A, I could squat a hundred and five pounds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you're right, though. I think it would have to be a British actress. I think they have a rule. I mean, at or least a, be at least a European somewhere in European. Yeah. 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 Like a, like a German wise number one new hit show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's true. I wouldn't really want an American to play James Bond. Yeah. Right. Yeah, there's no place. Uh, I mean, there's always an American in a James Bond movie, but they usually are like some sort of CIA operative. Yeah. <laughs> They're usually assholes. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They are uh, like the British perception of the United States, which is fine. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, everyone that's British has is like Downton Abbey. <laughs> that's, that's, that's all I know. They're either Mary Poppins, James Bond, or Downton Abbey. That's that's it. Stereotypes exist for a reason. So. Yeah, tea time. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't exactly. know any better. I am I am uncultured in the ways of the the Brits. <laughs> tea time. I don't even speak English. English. The Queen's English. Yeah, I speak. I speak lock, stock, and two smoking barrels English, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. oh, my goodness, miabos! <laughs> <laughs> you guys have a whole other way of level of swearing down here, don't you? <laughs> yeah. So, any final thoughts on Atomic Blonde? Yeah, um, I mean, I really like this movie a lot. It's it's it, it's a good one. I'm glad that I rewatched it. I'm glad we did it for this episode. Uh, it was a Facebook recommendation. I posted a, a like a poll slash open discussion on what movies we should do, and someone suggest someone suggested it. So I am glad because it's just a fun movie to watch. I ended up buying it on uh, 4K uh, digital copy, and I'm I'm happy I own it. I'll revisit it at a certain point. So, but like in terms of a letter grade, maybe I would give it uh, probably a uh, A minus. Uh, no, B plus. I'm going to say B plus because I really, really liked it. But I don't know if I was blown away by it. So I think a B plus is fair. Yeah. Well, what about you? What would have made it better? You know, I don't know. So that's why I'm like, maybe I'll give it an A minus. <laughs> that X factor. <laughs> well, I think it's just one of those movies that I really liked, but I wasn't like holy fucking shit holy fucking shit oh my god i just i i think it's awesome and uh, yeah okay a minus i'm changing it a minus because i don't no, really have any I, reason to I not mean, well I, i'm gonna give it a b plus so i don't care uh, i'm just curious okay, well I'm, I'm giving it an a minus and, and i think because i really enjoyed the fashion and how how grainy it felt like i felt like i was in you know europe for this and everything that we were talking about the lighting the music her her style, um, even James McAvoy's stupid fucking sweaters that he was wearing. I thought it was really well done. But... Yeah. What about you? That's fair. Yeah, I give it a B plus. I think I liked it mostly because of the music. Oh, dude. I, so I think good. if I had gadgets, I might be a little bit more into it. But it was mainly just her going to different places and getting in fights and then credits. But for me, it was always, yeah, for me, it was just the music that set up all the scenes. So I was like, all right, yeah, this is cool. But if it was, if it was something that music that I didn't like, then I would have hated the movie probably. So, so I, yeah, and I really like fight scenes. I'm just a sucker for a good uh, hand to hand combat scene. So, um, Mm -hmm. I think that's probably why it pushed it because I'm thinking, I'm like, why would I not like this? And, and I did, I absolutely did. I mean, the theater fight was really cool when they're fighting behind the screen. I was like, holy shit. So, yeah, a lot of fun, a lot of fun and creative ways to fight. And she's, you know, again, her her attire. She's not wearing sweatpants and a, and a T-shirt. She's wearing like a dress and an overcoat. And I'm like, how do you kick in that? <laughs> right. And then she stabs a guy with a heel for crying out loud. Oh, my God. That was cool. That was crazy. That was like right, right as soon as she lands in, in uh, Germany, in Berlin. Yeah. <laughs> so nowhere near Berlin. Yeah, no, I mean, it's fun. I dig it. And like, just all the, all the violence felt more real. Like when a car gets in a wreck, it just looks like the car got destroyed. It didn't blow up in midair or anything like Mm -hmm. that. It was just like, uh, okay, we're going to just wreck this car into this 
concrete wall and however it ends up that's the shot and it looked yep. way more real that way yeah i, I agree that. i agree they it looked it looked a lot more realistic and same thing with the fight stuff there wasn't a ton of edits like in the born movies where the edits are so quick um mm-hmm. so there weren't a ton of cuts i should say but that fighting was it's like jarring to watch because they try to use steady cam but it's all shaky and in this movie they kind of pan out and you can see her do all the moves and execute these things just like John Wick. So I think that uh, Leech and, and Stileski, they both have a really good eye for how to make an action movie. So, or a hand to hand combat action movie, I should say. Yeah, that is fair. Yeah. And people get shot in the face and it looks real. <laughs> Oof. I love yeah. it when they get shot in the face in John Wick movies. <laughs> oh my God. I don't, ugh. Yeah. Although that's why I love the John Wick movies is because it's like, how is he going to kill these people? Like, that's what I want to see is, is, is the new inventive ways of he killed a guy with a horse. I mean, like that was crazy. The horse kicked him in the face and he died. It's like, whoa. So it's uh, it's always up in the ante. So I'm excited for Atomic Blonde 2 whenever it comes out. I will definitely see that. Where's that? Yeah, man. All right. Well, cool. That's it for me. Sweet. Well, thank you for listening to the Don't Be Crazy podcast. Remember to follow us on Twitter at DBCrazyPod, at EdgyArmo, and at ZachDale60, where you can share your thoughts with us and we'll discuss them on our show. Heck, you can even tell us what movie you think we should watch for our next episode. Please also be sure to check out the Geek Legacy podcast with David, Randy, and Justin, as well as the Pixelated podcast with Stephen K. James. Lots of fun to be had. Subscribe, like, and hit that squiggly button whatever they say on YouTube. Just please remember, don't be crazy. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much.